0: For yourself, but it's not God. This morning we'll be in Luke 12, 13 through 21. We'll be finishing up our series on the parables of Jesus called Let Me Tell You a Story. Lots more parables of Jesus in the Bible. We've only gotten just a taste of what uh, he taught through his stories. would encourage you to continue to read the stories of Jesus uh, and the parables of Jesus. Uh, into the upcoming year. $14,000. That is what I made our first year of marriage. That is what I filed for taxes, and uh, I thought it was pretty good. It was all right. But I did think to myself, man, if I could just make a little bit more. Like $14,000 wasn't actually that much even back then. It hadn't been that long since we got married. That's 13 years ago. And um, I did think at the end of that year, man, if I could just make a little bit more. I remember moving to California uh, that next year. And uh, guess what? I became a youth pastor there. And they they they, don't, they over doubled. So it was more than double. 14000 was my salary there. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, I got so much money. But... If I just had a little bit more, you know? Um, and then eventually, a couple years later, we moved to Denver, and I took a job. And guess what? I made a little bit more. And you know what I thought when I got there? Man, if I could just make just a little bit more. Like, I'm getting pretty close to, like, that number, that magical number that I have in the back of my head. That if I just got that number, then I would be completely happy and satisfied and full. And, it, and I would just be completely content, I also started thinking things like this. Man, if I could just have a, a house that I own... Right? Then I'd be really, man, then I'd be there. Or if maybe if I, like, not just a house, but maybe a house with three bedrooms. Then maybe, like, and I, I actually, it was my house, and we we found a foreclosure. And we actually were able to buy a three-bedroom, actually a four-bedroom house, right? And we, we bought this foreclosure, and it, we had a lot of work to do on it, but we fixed it up, and it was ours. And, and then I thought, well, this house is nice, but, you know, I could, yeah, I could have a nicer house, Right? Um, from time to time, I've looked at my cars, and i thought, huh, I like my car. It's a nice car. Uh, the, when, when I met Lori, I had an S10, Chevy S10. I just loved that vehicle. Um, but it was a really bad vehicle. It broke down all the time, and from time to time, I thought, man, if I could just get a new car, it's just a new truck, I'd be totally content, I'd be totally happy, there was this other time uh, before I met Lori where I thought, man, if I could just get a girl to talk to me, and then she did, and somehow we got married, I thought, man, if I could just get that, I'd be content, and then, you know, I, I, I thought, well, you know, if I just had a kid, or two, or anybody else in the room like me, anybody, like it." You get where I'm going here, right? This is our guiding question for this morning, your, your first point in your outline. How much is enough? What's enough? Like, we sit down this week for coffee, and I say to you, How much is enough? Give me the number. What's the number? Is it I got a million dollars in my bank account so that I can retire? Is it two million dollars in my bank account that I can retire? What's the number? Like, do you have a number in your head? If I just had this much money, if I just had this big of a house, if I had this nice of a car, then everything would be cool, everything would be great. How much is enough? See, because I think for a lot of us, the answer, if we we're really honest, would be just a little more, right? I mean, do you experience these moments in your life when you feel like, I, I got everything I want, but then you look around and you see somebody else's new fly rod or somebody else's new skis or somebody else's new boat, and you're like, man, I could, if I could just have that too, that'd be That'd be awesome, right? The joke in Big Sky is, we have so much stuff, we have so much toys that we don't actually park our vehicles in them. We just need room to put our stuff in our garages. And so this question of how much is enough is really what sets up this entire story, right? There's there's this man that comes to Jesus, the beginning of the story. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell me, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Essentially what he's saying is, Jesus, I need a little bit more, right? My brother hasn't divided up his inheritance with me. Can you just tell him to give me my fair share? Give me a little bit more. And Jesus replies to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? I'm not your mediator, right? Then he says this. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Say, watch out. Say it loud. Watch out. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, come on. A little more. Watch out. Okay. Now say this word with me. Abundance. Ready? Abundance. Right? Do we live in a life of abundance? Right? Uh, Jesus is saying to us this morning watch out if you have a lot if you have more than you need watch out and so we're going to engage with this really simple story that I think speaks to us here in Big Sky very, very well this morning. It doesn't matter if you have a, a ton of stuff or if you have a little stuff. This is going to speak to all of us. We need to watch out. We live lives of abundance. If you live in the United States, if you drove here in a car, if you ate a meal today, I can guarantee you if you talk to the Uganda team, we have a little different life than those kids over there. You live a life of abundance and that's why we need to watch out this morning. So the simple story goes like this. Jesus says, the the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. I'm in verse 16 if you're following along. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. He had a bumper crop, very big crop. So he says, what am I going to do? I got so much grain. I got so much corn. I got so many potatoes. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to put them all then he says, this is what he said in verse 18. I'll, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Again, a simple, simple story. The first member of the cast is the rich fool. This is where we find ourselves in the story this morning. You and I, we can be very quickly the rich fool. Fool. Just think about it naturally, right? I mean, this is a, a really American dream story, is it not? Let's think about this, right? This dude, he works hard, he's got a farm, he does a good job, and he produces a big crop, right? Right, We work hard, we do well, we get a good salary, things are going well. We've got benefits and a retirement package and things are going well for us. And suddenly we have a surplus, we have an abundance in life. And then we say to ourselves, hey, I'm going to sit back, build some big barns, put all my stuff in there. I'm going to eat, drink and be merry. Retirement, right? This is what we say. This is, this dude is living the American dream. So, I mean, let's just check ourselves for right now, right? Like, we should see ourselves in this story that we are the rich fool, that we oftentimes just think, if I could just get that that house, if I could just get enough in my retirement portfolio, if I could just have enough in my investments, if I could just accumulate enough stuff, then someday I'll get to stop, eat, drink, and be merry. This is something that we as Americans, we, we strive for this, do we not? So something that's held up as an ideal in our country is something that is good. It's good to prosper. Um, and so uh, I want to give us a, a realistic view on Jesus' thoughts about the American dream. And, and for some of us, it's going to like, this is going to be hard. I can tell you right now, some of you in the room, some of us in the room are going to be like, I, I would like to walk out right now, but he's going to see me. So, <laughs> um, this sermon should pinch. It should poke at us. It should offend us a little bit and it shouldn't offend us because of what I'm saying. It should offend us because these words in my Bible are written in red, meaning What? Jesus said them. So you can take it up with him later this week. Don't send me an email. I want us to notice in particular the rich fool's statements. This is what he says. He does well. He works hard. And he thinks to himself, what shall I do? And and I'm just going to read this really slow with a little bit of accent here. A little bit of emphasis. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I do. I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, by the way, if you talk to yourself in third person, you might be this guy. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, drink, eat, drink, and be merry. Do do you hear what's going on here? I, mine, me. I got got a three-year-old, and these are her favorite three words. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's her toy or not. It's mine. Right? She will walk over to some kid and take their toy out of their hand and go, mine, right? And so he, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of my money. I'm going to build bigger barns for myself. I'm going to say to myself, good job, self. I did a really good job. I'm going to have great self-esteem. I'm going to tell myself that I'm great with myself because I've done so well for myself. This is, this is what he's doing, Right? and it's easy for us to point the finger but like as i read this story i just can't help but like have to look in the mirror right like as i was studying this sermon and this story all week i'm thinking man i got to look in the mirror here like how often do i sit around thinking about what i'm going to do with the money i've made the life that i've been given the things um, the gifts and talents and time that I have. How easy is it for me to slip into this really self-centered, self-seeking mode of life? And so this guy does what we would do. He sits back in his beach hammock with a Corona in his hand, you know, staring out on the sand and the beach. And the second cast member shows up, God shows up. And God says to him, you fool, this night, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. God shows up and says, hey, guess what, buddy? You're going to die tonight. How's that Corona? Right? I mean, I mean, God shows up in the story assesses the situation and he asks, well, what are you going to do with all this stuff that you've prepared for yourself? Because tonight your life here on earth is over. So what's going to happen? Rich man with big barns and lots of abundance. What's going to happen? so he asks him these simple questions. What are you living for? Who gets your stuff, your money, your dreams, your goals? See, see, here's what it's bumping up against. Is this life about us or is this life about something bigger than us? Is this life about God? God very accurately Says to him, listen, if you've built this for yourself, guess what? It can be taken in a moment. Any of you that have gone through a terrible financial crisis, like some of you maybe survived the the 08 debacle, right? And, And you know what it's like to like have a lot and then the next day wake up and realize I've got nothing. And you know, in the back of your head, it can all be taken in a moment's notice. Don't we? We know this, right? We know this. One bad call from the doctor about one gene, or, or, I mean, about one uh, um, cell in your body that goes awry and that you've got cancer. Right? One, one day where the financial deal isn't made properly and you lose money, you go bankrupt. These kind of things happen all the time and it can be taken in a moment. All of our stuff, all of our possessions, what we think we have can be taken from us for a moment. And when it is taken away, the question from God is, what, what remains? What lasts? This is what the song was we were just singing. One thing remains. Everything else is temporal, but what is that one thing that remains? And God would say, listen, who are you living for? Are you living for me or are you living for yourself? And this is really hard in our day. It's even more deceptive than you think, because if you would say to yourself, listen, I work really hard, Pastor Brian, at not being selfish. I try to think of others a lot. Even that can be deceptive. I was watching, um, I was watching Ellen this week. Okay. Don't judge me. I like, she's funny. All right. Um, and, uh, or was it last week? Anyway. Um, and she had a football player on anybody see this episode. She had a football player on and he, uh, is the son of Howie long. I think he plays for the Eagles. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, um, he's giving away his entire salary for the year, have you heard about this? Anybody? No. Okay. So he's giving away sixteen paychecks, which uh, is about roughly a million dollars, let's say. And he's giving it all away to charities. And so it's, it's kind of blown up on social media. Everybody's like, "Look at this guy! He's giving it all away. Isn't this awesome?" And Ellen was sitting there and she was interviewing him, and she said to him, "Hey, um, why did you do this?" And he said, "This. I kid you not. This is what he said." Because it feels really good for me. This is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that deceptive? What, what did he say? Why, why do you do this? Well, it feels good for Me. And I thought, isn't that incredible? Isn't that deceptive? Isn't that sneaky? Like that we can live in a culture and in a world and a time where people would say you should love others because it actually makes who feel best? You. I mean, this is deceptive and sneaky. And we got to be honest that we love to lie to ourselves, that we want to be like, yes, I do it for others. But secretly, it makes me feel really good about myself, Right. And the reality is, even when we do it for, for that sort of um, what seems to the world as a generous way, we're actually functioning out of a very selfish manner. Even if we're giving a million dollars away, if it just feels good to me, if it's just about me, my, how I get to feel, it, that can be taken in a moment. And so what is this all about? See, this is a hard teaching. Some of us are generous because it makes us feel good. It benefits us. Um, even if we share it, what we've earned, it might still be about us. And Jesus states that we are to be rich toward God. Let me, let, let's read this verse and let's let it sink in. Verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward not others. Right? Others will come, but toward God. It doesn't mean you're not going to be rich toward others. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make much money. But it means that you're going to hold it in the proper place. It means it's not going to be about me, mine. It's going to be about God's, His, what He has given to us. We are called to be rich toward God. And so I want to ask us two reflective questions. One: um, How big are my barns? How big are your barns? What have you got? I would encourage you this week to take an assessment to just say, you know what, I have a big barn and it is very full. Or you might say, ah, I have a medium-sized barn and it's sort of full. Right? Or you might say, I actually have a pretty small barn. Here's my guess. I bet your barn is bigger than you think it is. Right? Once again, if you went and talked to the Uganda team and asked them about the conditions that they saw in Uganda, the way people are living in Uganda, what life looks like in Uganda, chances are you would feel like your barn is actually pretty big. And so what I want you to do is take an assessment of your barn. What have you been given? Secondly, who's benefiting from my crop? Who is benefiting from my crop? Anybody ever written a will? Anybody written a will? Okay, a couple of us, right? Um, If you've written a will, there is this phrase that often pops up called primary beneficiary, right? So the primary beneficiary means this is who's going to get what is left over when I'm gone. Right, And so if I pass away, if God shows up and I've got my Corona in my hand and says, God says, Hey, guess what? to time is over. It's time to go to heaven. Who's your primary beneficiary? And the question is for us, who's benefiting from our crops? Is it my kids? Is it my spouse? Is it other people? Is it nobody? Because here's the thing. Chances are you're probably not going to die tonight. That's good news, right? That's awesome. Okay. You might. But you're probably not going to die tonight. You're probably not going to have this interaction with God tonight. You might, but you're probably not going to. And so the question is, who's benefiting from your crop right now? Because when you're dead and gone, you don't get to then steward that money anymore. You get this life to steward the money that God has given to you in this life. And once that life is taken from you, you don't get control of who gets to benefit from this anymore. You have to then, it just goes to a primary beneficiary. And then they get to make decisions about who is benefiting from the crop that you have worked for. And I, I just think this is really important for us to think about. It's really important for us to think about if we're storing up stuff for ourselves or if we're using the crop we've been given to love God, to serve God as an offering to God. See, the heart of this story is this. What do we do with what we've been given? What do we do with what we've been given? Tom Jurgens. Um, I can embarrass him because he's not here this morning. Um, But he preached a sermon that was entitled this earlier this year. And he encouraged us to think about life as a gift. And I had the opportunity to sit with Tom a couple weeks ago. Um, He was out here. And um, so here's been Tom's last year and a half or so. Eh, almost two years. So um, uh, Mary went through cancer. Um, And it was a tough battle. And she's sitting right here with us. And we're so grateful. But it wasn't easy. It was a long, long process. Tom himself has been diagnosed with cancer as well. Uh, Tom's mother is on hospice care. And yes, it's exciting. She's going to go to be with Jesus someday. But he's still going to lose his mom. And him and I were sitting having this conversation a couple weeks ago. And he said, you know, he's got some non-Christian friends in his life who feel like he should be really bitter and angry and frustrated with God right now. Like that God has given him the short end of the stick, that this is just a bad season of life. And, and they, they can't quite grasp how Tom is still in this positive frame of mind, how he's still grateful and thankful for life. And, and this is what he said to me, Brian, I've been given much more than I deserve. And that's why I can be grateful. I've been given much more than I deserve and I can be grateful. He, he uses this, um, this statement all the time. He says you have to live into an attitude of gratitude. If you've heard him do prayer requests or anything, he, he, it comes out of his mouth all the time that he constantly says you need to live a life where your attitude is gratitude, you need to be thankful for what you have been given. And you need to continue to ask, what do I do with what I've been given? This life is a gift. It's more than you deserve. And so all of life is a gift from God. And if it's a gift from God, then it's our, it's it, its up to us to, to uh, here's the word, steward that gift, which means use that gift. Right? It's it's, it's up to us to say, what would God want me to do with my finances? What would God want me to do with my stuff? What would God want me to do um, with the health that He's given me? What would God want me to do with the kids that He's entrusted to me? What would God want me to do in this job that He has given to me? What would God want me to do today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day? Not what do I want to do with this life, but what does God want me to do with the life He has given to me. And so I want to give some practical ways to think about this. Number one, a, a daily exercise, Thanksgiving. So this week, we're going to gather around tables. It's one of my favorite holidays. I just love Thanksgiving Um, because we eat turkey and stuffing, and there's football on, and I I try to take naps, and it's just fantastic, and then I get up and eat some more, and it's like uh, this very abundant day, so maybe I should watch out. What if we transformed the glutton fest on Thursday into a few minutes to assess all that God has given to us? And what if we didn't just do it Thursday? See, see, I think it's great that we get really thankful for like one week out of the year. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but what would it look like if we did like Tom Jurgens, if we had an attitude of gratitude each and every day? What if this went beyond Thanksgiving, beyond Christmas? What if our daily exercise was an exercise in Thanksgiving? For some of you, it'd be this simple. Some of you really like, we need to put this in practice. Some of you should wake up in the morning and say five things you're grateful for before you get out of bed. I bet it would change your whole day. Instead of waking up, looking at your phone, seeing Facebook, and seeing like, oh, look at the vacation they're on, and I'm not, right? How about instead, you spend that time thanking God for what you've been given? A daily exercise called thanksgiving. Uh, Secondly, um, we begin next week an opportunity to examine your heart called the gift. So we have this series that's going to be leading us up to Christmas called The Gift. And we're going to be exploring the wise men, or the wise travelers, um, the magi, and um, You're going to find out some cool things about them There was not We don't think there was probably three of them We think there was more Isn't that interesting? I just messed up your whole manger So um, I'll do that I'll do that I promise I'll do that multiple times From here to Christmas You'll be like Your manger won't be The way it's supposed to be Um, We're going to talk about the wise men And what they offered They, They did offer three gifts Which is why we often think there's three of them But there were three gifts Gold, frankincense, and myrrh And we're going to look at those gifts and we're going to transform those gifts. And we're going to have a conversation in this next series about what does it look, what what gifts can I give to the ultimate gift? Next week, we'll look at the ultimate gift, Jesus. But then we'll take three weeks to look at what gifts can I give in response to the greatest gift, Jesus. We're going to look at our time, how we can give our time to God. We're going to look at our treasure, our finances, our stuff. We're going to look at how we can give that to God, our talents, the gifting that God has given to us, the things that get us excited, that we're passionate about, that we're good at. We're going to talk about our time, our treasure, and our talents as being a gift back to God, the giver of all good gifts. And so I want to encourage you to be here for that series, to engage with this and examine your heart as we finish up 2017. And then the last opportunity is this. Um, so we've got these Operation Christmas Child boxes. And uh, thank you for those of you who have done that already. Um, I'm invite the worship team to come on up. Get ready for our last song. So thanks for doing that. Um, we did four of them yesterday, and it was super fun. Well, it, was, it was okay fun, actually, if I'm being really honest. We went to Target with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, so that's never exuberance. But um, we, we survived and filled the boxes for these kids, right? Uh, four boxes. And um, I, I know a lot of you did, too. And here was my thought, because we got a pile more boxes left. And I was like, well, maybe we'll just send them back, and we won't use them, and it'll be great, and we'll do them next year, because that's what we typically do with extra boxes. And then I started thinking about this sermon, and I started thinking about all the excess and abundance that we have in our life, and this is what I want to do. There's a pile of boxes out there, and they're empty. And my bet is that before noon tomorrow, you don't even need to go to the store, but that you can fill these boxes. With t-shirts, uh, with the extra toothbrush that you got, with, um, with some good trinkets in here for some kids in a thorough country. Because we live in a world, and we live in a place of excess, a place of abundance. And I don't know about you, but man, w- with my son's toys alone, we could fill like 10 boxes, okay? We're going to give a lot of toys away today, Eli, okay? Are you good with that? You're not good with that. All right, we'll talk. We'll pray about it later. <laughs> And and that's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to challenge yourself. I think you got too much stuff. And the reason I think you got too much stuff is because I got too much stuff. (laughs) And and here's how this Christmas story goes we're going to sing this song, Away in a Manger, in a second here. So Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, and he was born in a manger because Motel 6 was closed, right? He couldn't even get into Motel 6, okay? He 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 slept. He was born where it was dirty, and there was animals, and it was stinky, and it was horrible, and whatever. Like I said, your nativity set is wrong. Okay, it was nasty. Born to a impoverished family who was probably uh, exiled from their community. They were the laughing stock of the community. Oh yeah, God knocked you up. Okay, yeah, we believe that one, right? <laughs> He was born into that family as a poor child. And these magi, that came from afar. These kings came from afar. And they offered him Christmas gifts out of their abundance. And I would challenge us to do the same. To offer some poor kids in another place. Um, maybe the first Christmas that they've ever had. Jesus... We thank you that you gave up your throne of gold, your streets of gold, um, beauty that we cannot imagine to come and be a poor, homeless um, teacher, rabbi, Messiah, Savior, King. We thank you that you didn't do it like everybody wanted you to that you didn't take up an earthly throne, that you didn't um, get a big royal gold scepter, that you didn't um, just rule and reign over people by dominance and by force, but that you came meek and mild, humble and poor. Jesus, we thank you that you have given us so much. You've given us a life that is more than we could ask for. And so, Jesus, would you transform our greedy little hearts into hearts that are just for you and for your kingdom and for your glory? And that, Jesus, we would just take a really good look at our own lives and see ways to respond to you out of the abundance that you've given to us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you came 2,000 years ago to save, to serve, to love. We live into that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand for our final song?